everyone. I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And this is I Hate It, Let's Watch It, where we watch shows we love and then rip them apart. First of all, we should apologize for missing a week. The universe did not want no. this podcast to occur last week. I was deathly ill. Dawn's birthday <laughs> happened. Damn it. <laughs> there was also a hurricane. So... Yeah, a lot of things just didn't want us to be together for that. Yeah, we had a problem. But at least it worked out only because it was technically a filler episode. It wasn't very plot related. It was character development, which I'm always a fan of and I would love to see more of, but it almost feels like too little too late to to start digging into origin stories. Yeah, but again, <laughs> I think we both agreed the night of watching it that we enjoyed it actually. Oh, yeah. This was actually a lot of fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was ah, oh, I don't know. It was just the dynamic, the way the story rolled like it just i was intrigued yes i was compelled the whole time so what we're gonna do with this episode is just we're gonna start off with last week's episode and then we're gonna talk about this most recent episode so that we can break everything down and give it you know the appropriate amount of analysis required and to get us started here's our 60 second summary in a drastic departure from Riverdale's usual nonsense, this episode titled Citizen Lodge explored Hiram's checkered past in an attempt to explain why he is so damn evil, but honestly, the kid was rotten from the start. Before Hiram was Hiram, he was called Jaime, and he had a huge chip on his shoulder because his father, Javier, shined shoes for a living and didn't make enough money for his son to be able to impress Riverdale's premier stuck-up bitch, Hermione Gomez. To make more money, Jaime starts working for Riverdale's OG mobster, Vittorio Alto, running drugs. When Javier finds out, he is devastated and threatens Vito with the police if he doesn't leave Jaime alone. Vito orders a hit on Javier to silence him, and when Jaime puts two and two together, he retaliates by killing Vito's three henchmen. I guess those were Vito's only friends, so he flees, leaving Jaime, now going by Hiram, to take over the shady business empire. As Hiram says, the rest is history. He only returns to Riverdale in order to mine the palladium Javier had always believed existed in the area. In the end, Hiram gets justice for Javier when Hermosa finally tracks down Vito Alto in a nursing home and he goes to shoot the old gangster in his bed. After hearing Hiram's cautionary tale, Reggie decides to take a step back from being a bad guy and attempt to make amends with his own father, who, let's be honest, definitely doesn't deserve it. Um, do you have anything you want to start with? Well, I do want to know what cocktails we have sitting. Oh, yes. Okay. I yeah, this actually has more to do with the next episode that we'll talk about. But this kind of created itself. I don't know if you happen to notice the product placement in the most recent episode. (sighs) Uncle Frank and Archie were having breakfast. How did I miss it? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, this is going to be a real surprise for you then. They were sitting there having a nice bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is delicious. Yes. So that is what this cocktail is themed off of. There's actually a Cinnamon Toast Crunch rim because I happen to have Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal in my house. So I crushed some of that up. Fabulous. And uh, it's like vanilla vodka. And I made a cinnamon simple syrup and just a little bit of... All right. I'm giving it a shot. Seltzer in there. Yeah, go ahead. Have a sample. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Tasty. Mm -hmm. Tasty, tasty. And that rim gives it a little... Yeah, I like the crunch. I'm a, I'm a big texture girl when mm-hmm. it comes to my bevs, so I like a nice rim. The whole combination is very good. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited about this. Okay, so aside from that little tangent, <laughs> Citizen Lodge. So as we kind of said, we liked this episode. I do have some comments. Go for it. <laughs> I have I'm ready for feedback. your comments, yes. Primarily, my, my biggest beef is I felt like... Like Hiram was telling Reggie this story as like a cautionary tale of don't take your dad for granted and don't be a little shit. <coughs> Excuse me. <Are> you all right. 
<laughs> that was a like, try that again. <laughs> Don't be a little shit like I was back in the day who didn't appreciate anything. But I don't think their stories are parallel because Hiram's father, Javier, was a good man. Yep. Supportive family man. Like you were the dick. Yeah, right. Like, (laughs) I don't know if they wanted us to feel sympathy for Hiram in these flashbacks. All I kept thinking was, Jesus, he was an asshole from the get-go. Like, he did not appreciate anything that he had. He totally took his father for granted. And so that's what annoys me because he's kind of implying, you know, like, I lost my dad, so you should hang on to yours while you still have one. Reggie's father was physically abusive yeah. to him. He does not deserve no, whatever every right to chan- Yes, to blow him off completely yeah. and never see him again. And, uh, and this is what bothered me because at the end, Hiram really seemed to be guilting Reggie into giving his dad another chance. And I'm like, if Reggie has decided that his dad doesn't deserve another chance, that's totally valid. Perfectly fine. Yep. Totally valid. So that kind of bothered me because it wasn't the same. Right. And not that Hiram is any better of a role model for Reggie than his father, but it's not like Reggie's father was trying to do right by his son at any point. Never. So that annoyed me. I was not pleased by that. I did like, it gave me vibes because I'm very late to the game, but I'm a Sopranos fan. Mm -hmm. And this gave me the new movie that's coming out, The Saints of Newark. I have not even heard of it. Well, it's a prequel, like, you know, origin story. Mm -hmm. So seeing that trailer a few weeks ago and then seeing this episode, it gave me all those vibes of just that like old timey you know this is ha- this is where i came from you know like kind of and it, it was good i mean i again we loved it and i loved that mark Consuelos's son played mm-hmm. him again as and that was i think that made it more enjoyable too because it seemed more realistic as if it was like a real yes scenario but i do find it really distracting that they use the other actors to play their parents yeah that is very distracting to me because yes you have this different actor playing young Hiram but you have all these other people who are playing playing their parents their parents right so it's yeah it's distracting I think that's like the best word for it and I kept having to remind myself who was Hiram (laughs) because you're thinking Hiram is Hiram, but then you're seeing his son and then the rest of them. So it's, yeah. I And we kind of talked about this, I think, off the record here about how having Veronica playing Hermione hooking up with Hiram is... Is weird. It's so fucking weird. It's so awkward, yes. (laughs) I don't like it, especially since there's already a weird father-daughter dynamic that happens there just to, like, have that play out. I just felt incredibly uncomfortable. I felt like Veronica as Hermione. Hermione was a bitch. Yeah. Very superficial in a way that I guess I never really saw her as, but she wouldn't even consider going out with Jaime until he dressed better, basically. Yeah, and went off of her mother's... Right, followed whatever her mother said about him, and she was mad at him after he got arrested on their date, but then he made up for it with a car, and it was like, (laughs) okay, 
So are you in this for love or just the money? I mean, present day, it's pretty obvious. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I felt it was a decent portrayal of what she probably was like then. She was annoying. I was annoyed by her. I was kind of annoyed by Hermione in general. In general. Like, <laughs> the Hermione that we day, know. Yes. I, I never was a big fan of her. I, I was never, I mean, she I could take her a lever, basically. Like, I never was a big fan, but I never really hated her. She was just kind of there and sort of unimportant. But I think the thing that bothered me the most was at the wake for Javier. Mm-hmm. So it was Cheryl playing Penelope. And she was like, well, like, what did he expect? He's a gangster. He's hanging out with bad mm-hmm. people. And Hermione was like, well, he did it for his family and blah, blah, blah. And, what, and like, he cares about family. And neither of you can say that. And it was just like, did he care about his family? Like, I didn't get the impression because he said that, too, where he was, like, trying to, like, provide things that his father couldn't. But I didn't really see him passing any of that wealth along to his mother or father. And a quick side note, the actress who plays Hermione in present day Mm. then played her mother. Right. (laughs) To then, add another layer. It, yeah, it was it, that was a little confusing as well. But yeah, yeah. Back to what you were saying. I agree, and I also feel like you know once he took on this gangster role, that's pretty much what did it. Like you could always use that backstory of, well, I'm going to do this to help my parents out. But the minute you're in this mindset, it's it's more greed in the end. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, you know. But. Yeah, it was just wild to me that that's what it became. Like, it wasn't a stretch from what I probably or we probably could have assumed was his origin story. Yeah, I guess I was expecting more trauma. But he literally gets into this shady business because he wants to impress Hermione, basically, Mm. and make more money. Like, there's no, there's really no inciting incident other than he realizes he can make money doing shady shit and that this money gets him girls and or at least the girl that he wants. That's it. That's his whole motivation. So it doesn't make him any more of a sympathetic character. And I'm not sure if that's what they were trying to do or if they were just really trying to solidify him as a villain. But for me, it just solidified him as a villain. We do have to address that palladium comes up even back then we absolutely have to address this i would also like to just mention how that random guy at the beginning that um javier was doing the shoe shine for is just carrying around a hunk of palladium in his literally pocket. in his pocket it's literally worth a hundred dollars and he's just like carrying it around in his Here, jacket plop. yeah um but i wanted i flagged this as well because it's then stated that javier moves their family to Riverdale to look for, to start mining for this palladium. And he does that. They don't find any, but he stops because the mine collapses. Right. And if you recall, old man Dreyfus referenced that him and his friends were working in a collapsed mine when they were abducted by Mothman. Right. So I put this on the murder board, which I'm not displaying currently, but I put this on the murder board okay. because it connects... It Again, does, yeah. Hiram to Palladium to Mothmen. And maybe what's going on in those mines has more to do with the Mothmen than we realize. But uh-huh. just flagged that. So I wrote that down. And um, yeah, so we'll see what happens or doesn't happen with that. <laughs> 
it does seem to imply that palladium was the motive all along for like things that Hiram's been doing. And it's just funny that we've never heard of it until now. <laughs> right. Because I mean, he even says at one point, like, I'll finish what my father began. Mm-hmm. And it's like... There was never any implication that he was on some sort of mission to... Never. <laughs> to serve but his you're father's right, legacy. Yeah, we're only hearing about this now. Yeah. It does seem like it's retconned as opposed to intended from... It's we're running out of stuff to talk about, so yeah. we're going to make up... We're going to create this story around Palladium. Right. The other thing <laughs> that I was kind of confused about was... So, Jaime puts two and two together that... The, the OG Riverdale gangster, Vittorio Alto, has... Who, this actor plays bad guys in every... Like, he is, like, he's a good bad asshole guy. He's, bad guy in everything. He's a legit bad guy. But he puts two and two together that Vito ordered the hit on his father and then goes and wants to murder him, but he's not there, so then ends up murdering his three associates. Are these his only associates because as soon as mm. as soon as Jaime kills them Vito flees from Riverdale has to be has to be <laughs> and and like never comes back and it's like really if you've ever seen any sort of gang related or mob related movie he'd be there's coming a back network. yeah there's a network in place and no mob boss is going to be run out of town by like an 18 year old kid right so, that knows how to use a gun properly. Yeah. You have to have more there. <laughs> I don't understand. So I didn't understand. And then suddenly just Jaime moves in and takes over the business as <laughs> like just fills that void. It just doesn't seem like it should be that easy. You, you can't get rid of a kingpin no, but by killing his three best friends. <laughs> this is Riverdale though. They were and also extremely we... Italian. I really enjoyed oh pretty God. much every scene in that little hut there. And there was, like, one where Vito was eating a giant plate of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> like, it's just so stereotypical. It was very it's comical. Yeah it, yeah, it was actually probably offensive to Italian people, but oh well. And then I had mentioned this to you at the time, but I did get the vibe of Breaking Bad and Hector Salamanca and mm-hmm. Gustavo Fring and their whole showdown at the end there. Yes, because we find out that in the beginning of the episode when Harm was on the phone... He finds the whereabouts of Vito in present day. He's at a nursing home. He's basically like... He's on his deathbed. He's dying. He's not... He's not... And we don't even know that he continued the mob life. He may have just retired after uh, Jaime ran him out of town. (laughs) Family, grandkids, the whole shebang. And he's just laying there in bed. And Hiram fucking comes and is like, does a Hiram, very Hiram thing. Yeah. And smothers the shit out of this man. He shot him in the head. Well, he, sm- well, he, he with covered him with the yeah, yeah, silencer, you know. The DIY him. silencer. <laughs> you would think Hiram Lodge could afford a silencer, but whatever. Or maybe yeah. he was trying to avoid the mess. But, Either um, way, I was disappointed that no one got half of their face blown off. Right. It was It was, It was. <laughs> it was less clean. dramatic. <laughs> it was way too clean. Also, I think we're also watching way too much True Blood, so we just Ooh. think everything is going to... There's no such thing as watching too much True Blood. You're right. <laughs> anyway, but connected to this is... Hermosa, I think I was probably not expecting to hear from her ever again. Right. But in this context, she was the one because we know that she has done private investigation work in the past. Right. So presumably she's the one who hunted down Vito and found him for Hiram. But I find it interesting because Hiram seems to confide in Hermosa a lot. 
and she I'm knew conf- about this. Yeah, and I'm a little confused too because did we ever know Hermosa's mother? No, I mean I think they told us a story about who she was. Because I mean, if you think of this story, it's he gets with Hermione eventually. Victor- uh, Veronica's born. Right. Yeah, we don't even. It's see. the whole thing because mm-hmm. then you see in present day he's watching Housewives. Yep. That Hermione and Veronica are on, and he's like watching them with pride, and you know until she says what she says about him, but mm-hmm. um, which is typical. I mean, I think if he heard it, didn't hear it on TV, she would have told him to his face. Oh yeah, so yeah. nothing he didn't already know. But you know, it was centered around their core family, and we're still Hermosa still exists. Like, when are we gonna find out more about that? Yeah, like when did right. that happen? Uh, I wish now now that you're saying this, I wish I had gone back to see how Hermosa was introduced and what Hiram said in terms of who her mother was and if he had had an affair. I guess he must have because they were together since high school. So, right. Um, and he also seemed like when Veronica was born, like that scene, mm-hmm. like you see Hermione and probably her worst like, she's a new mom, hair mm-hmm. up, no makeup, you know, like, the whole whatever. And he just seemed very, like, that dad that, at this point, too, is for show. Like, mm-hmm. like he just strolled in. Oh, hi, it's my daughter. You know, right. like, and he's it like, was whatever very, you want, whatever yeah. you want. Like, I'll just, you know, whatever a you want, A fair weather dad. Do. And it was very, you know, so he had, again, affairs were probably very yeah. prominent. And, sure. But I just found it interesting that they... They narrowed in on their core family, and then, mind you, it's Hermosa that finds out where Vito is, and it, you know, like it's yeah. a sidebar that like maybe people don't pick up on, but we did. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes me think if we're gonna see Hermosa again, I feel like I don't know because if we were going to see her again, maybe we would have seen her in person in this episode, except we just got a phone call, mm-hmm. so I don't know if she's coming back or not. But she has a lot of dirt on Hiram, so. Yeah. That like that's an interesting relationship to me because he does not tell Veronica all the stuff that he tells Hermosa and Hermosa could run him into the ground with the stuff that she knows. She cleaned up this murder for him. Well, yeah, but also (laughs) Veronica fights him constantly where Hermosa seems to be a little more like on his side. Sure. I think that Hiram probably sensed early on that Veronica has... More of a righteous um, (laughs) view of things and would not necessarily be supportive of some of his plots and schemes. Right. So I I understand why he doesn't tell Veronica, but I think it's just interesting because we know so little about Hermosa, but she knows so much about Hiram. So I don't know, just something to keep on our radar, because if we do see her again, she's got a lot of leverage and she could be a big player if the show wanted her to be. Mm-hmm. I agree. I have a note from when, uh, you know, they th- this episode was really about Hiram and Hiram's past, but we do get to see some of the other core four cast show up as their parents. Yes. And so there's just these like stupid moments. Like when she's take the teacher was taking roll call and, like Fred Andrews and Archie's like here and I, I wrote in my notes I'm like please let this be the only time we see Archie because I was just enjoying so much like not having to deal with that or any right. of the other ones that I'm like oh god please go away don't want you here in this flashback 
And the other important thing that we need to note is that now we have an even finer pinpoint on Riverdale's location in New York. Yes. Rockland County could not be more specific. Yep. It's Rockland County. Let's go up there. We know exactly where it is. Let's go up there. <laughs> Let's find the Palladium ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's there. It's just, it's under the Blossom Orchards and, you know, we got to gotta get there. Yep. If we ever do a road trip, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> we'll just be driving around. <laughs> Looking for caves. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find the bunker. Hello, is there any palladium here? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is palladium? <laughs> Turn around, go home. Or they're like, okay, you watch Riverdale? Got it. Like, right, okay, please leave. <laughs> please leave. I wonder if Rockland County is getting a spike in tourism now that people know that this is where they need to make the, their pilgrimage to Listen, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready to move on to this week's episode. As am I. You are super excited. Fantastic. A lot. A lot. Oh, yes. Much to discuss. Where do we begin? Because I don't want to begin with Archie, but I. (laughs) We should probably begin with a 60 second summary. Oh, right. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) We're combining episodes. It's very confusing. But yes, to get us started (laughs) on this episode, here is our 60 second summary. Archie and Eric start struggling with PTSD, which is manifesting itself in the form of nightmares and seeing ghosts. Uncle Frank tries to help by bringing home an adopted dog, but that plan goes sideways when Archie learns that the dog used to be part of a Riverdale dogfighting ring because this place wasn't fucked up enough already. Archie, Eric, and Fangs track down the man responsible, and Archie roughs him up before turning him over to the police. The incident gets him to finally realize that he needs psychological help, so that's the silver lining there. But speaking of psychological issues, Kevin is spiraling after finding out that his ex, Fangs, is now hooking up with his other ex, Moose. Cheryl talks him off the ledge, but in doing so, also manages to convince him to join up with the Blossom Cult, I mean Ministry. Kevin has agreed to be in charge of musical arrangements for the church, which means we can count on more poorly lip-synced gospel hymns in the future. Kill us now. Reggie rebounds from Hiram with Veronica and helps her land investors for her jewelry venture, Pearls and Posh, and that's all we care to say about that. Betty and Tabitha turn the white worm into a scene out of Coyote Ugly and attempt to attract truckers to the bar where they can discreetly take names and search trucks. The plan works and Betty ends up in a truck with one creepy dude who terrorizes her with a chainsaw for a minute before she takes him out with a wrench to the face. Is this our guy? Either way, he's got a lot of explaining to do next week. I honestly didn't even know where to start with the 60 second summary. When I started writing it, I was like, fuck, where does one begin? Because it was lots of stuff and lots of unrelated stuff. Yeah. People were on their own journeys this week and there was some overlap, but for the most part, people were just doing their own shit. And so it was very different. Right. Everybody was separated. Yeah. I don't think anybody really crossed paths to an important factor. The Coyote Ugly scene was a big uniter of plot lines. But But minimal. Minimal. Yeah. It was just that there were people together. No dialogue, really. Yeah. Yeah. There were people together in the same scene that hadn't been together. I did. Right. And I did kind of like it. Like, I liked the camaraderie of, like, getting them all together and they're all on the same page with what's going on, you know? I felt like it was only it was only to get everybody together. You know, I none of these people seem to be friends in any real way. We haven't seen really, I don't know. Everybody's doing their own shit. And so like when they all come together, it's like, "Oh, yeah, you guys still exist." Okay. I felt a little lost though because I've never seen Coyote Ugly. And I That makes me really sad. Yeah. Well, can you give me a quick blast of what Coyote Ugly is all about just so I can get on the same page? Absolutely. Here's my 60 cent. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak as fast as you and that's not going to happen. So really quickly, Violet, our main character, she wants to become a singer in New York City and she lives Don't in- Don't we all? 
New Jersey. Oh, God, so far away. Yeah, Perth Amboy, New Jersey. And I've watched it way too many times, so don't even get me started. Wow, this is very specific. This is going to be a 60-minute summary. (gasps) Rude. (laughs) Anyway, so she ends up going to the city. She gets an apartment. It's a shithole. She has this money saved up. Her friend gives her some money. She's like, here, like, hide this. She hides it in her freezer. As one does. She goes and on a day of like trying to submit her cassette oh. tape Oof. of her single Oof. to record producers in the city. <laughs> cassette producers. Uh-huh. Cassette <laughs> producers. Um, she gets home, she finds her apartment ransacked. Oh damn. They stole the money out of the freezer. Oh talk about freezing your assets, am I right? Now needs to find a job ASAP. So she's at a diner, you know hard on her luck mm-hmm. and four girls from the bar coyote ugly are at the diner it's like four o'clock in the morning they're counting their tips they made like two thousand bucks oh, snap. and she, you know she asks the owner of the diner like who are these girls like what are they and he's like they're coyotes and she's like oh what you know <laughs> what's he, a coyote and he throws her like the matchbook from the bar mm-hmm so she ends up going and she gets an interview where she has to dance, sing the whole shebang. And at first she fails because she's too timid and nervous, but she ends up breaking up a bar fight. And the owner's like, okay, where was that, you know, fire, confidence spark, and fire yeah. before? So she's like, listen, I'm going to give you another shot. So that's what happened. She ends up becoming a coyote ugly girl, which... Honestly, they are not ugly. Sexy fucking <laughs> chicks that dance on the bar. They're bartenders, but they dance, sing, everything. And that's basically what this is. There is a real bar coyote ugly in the city, but based on the movie or that the movie was based on? A little bit of both because I which don't know. Which came if- first? Which came first? <laughs> to be honest, I don't really know. I just know that there is a real coyote ugly, and I'm. There's probably several across the country. Like, yeah, it sounds they like they just kind of do a it, you know. Sort of operation. But, um, Regardless, fun movie, great movie, great soundtrack. But yes, that's what it is. Just girls like distracting men, more tips, the whole everything like that. But they're not trying to track down a murderer. No. Okay. (laughs) That's just Riverdale. No. (laughs) That really doesn't help me so much. (laughs) It helps me with context, but at the same time, I thought there might be more to it. No, it's really just the actual bar scene of the movie. What I don't get is, you know, they ask Fangs if they can re-theme the bar as like a coyote ugly theme. It seems like a lot of work. Why don't you just have a couple of nights a week where you do like a dance night or something? Also, <laughs> I don't think they really needed to retheme it. Right. It was pretty much a biker bar. Already. It was. It is a biker bar. That's and what it is. You're just getting up on the bar and dancing in scantily clad clothing. Right. And if we recall some of the musical numbers that have been performed at the White I didn't Worm, like what they used. The I don't song. like the song. I know it's poison, but I don't like... I don't know. I felt like it should have been sexier. I'm going to be a broken record here and say I just don't like any of their musical numbers ever. No, I really don't either. You're right. I get it. (laughs) I completely agree with you. I just did not like the song choice for this particular scene. I felt like it could have been sexier. It could have been a more provocative performance. I thought that it didn't really play to Madeline Pesch's. No. I didn't think it played to her voice 
in particular. Like, I was actually like, ooh. She it was more Veronica's vibe. She doesn't sound so good on this track. No. I, I felt bad because I was like, I know that she has a lot of talent, but this is just not working for her. So, uh, and that just doesn't help me because I hate the music anyway. So when somebody's not performing well, I'm just like, oh, God, this this is... This needs to be over. And can we say we had three, three musical? I mean, this was the. We full came back one. from. We came back from a significant hiatus to just fucking musical numbers. There was too much because there was like an earlier time where Cheryl was singing in the church of Jason, and then later in the episode when she recruits Kevin to the church of Jason, they sing again. So I hated that <laughs> so, so much. much singing. It's so much singing. I don't like any of it, but I really hate the whole church vibes. Yes, as opposed can to the bar this because I have such weird feelings about Cheryl right now because it seems like whatever peace she has found through this church of Jason, which is not what it's called, but it's just what I'm going to call it because that's what it is. It has made her more grounded and less terrible. You know, she was so combative and so angry in the earlier episodes. Right. And now she's really zen and she gives Kevin a lot of really good advice in terms of how to handle everything that going going on with Fangs. I just hate that it's twisted up in this I'm using air quotes religion. Right. It's making it more of like a parody. Like it's I want her to be like I like how she is. I just hate why she why is. Yes. it's being this That's exact, why that is exactly way. how I feel too. Like, why did you need your mom's ministry right. to be a good person? Yes. <laughs> yes. And a supportive honestly, person. If we're going to get into like our own personal feelings on religion, that's my issue with religion in general. It's right. Like, I don't need religion to tell me how to be a good person. I know what I need to do to be a good person. I don't need the threat of heaven and hell to make me do the right thing. Some people do need that. Fine. What bothers me is that this is so obviously a scam that you know that Cheryl's going to be really devastated and go back to the way she was before when she realizes that Penelope is fucking everybody over. Right. Like she's a piece of shit. But I also, part of me feels that Cheryl knows this already. So she's doing her version of it. Because if you think about it, like what she does in helping Kevin, she brings him in. Initially, he hates it and walks out. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, and then she tells him like, listen, what were your goals? Like, what did you want? And then he explains all of that. And she goes, listen, that's great. Because then you're going to help us do this. And I thought that was really sweet, but you could tell from the sidelines that Penelope is not having it. <laughs> yes, actually, I I wrote in my notes that Penelope just swigging the sacramental wine in the background during these musical numbers is like a whole mood because I, that's why I was like, oh, God, I need a drink. <laughs> but I mean, it's so true. So like, I can tell going forward their views on this ministry, religion, whatever we want to fucking call it at this point, are going to be different. Mm-hmm. And I think as ridiculous as it is, Cheryl is going to do it more for good. She's going to use it to the advantage of, look, I helped Kevin. Maybe I could help other. Like she's doing it more for the greater good where we know Penelope is not. So it's there's going to be a tear there at some point. Yes, I, I'm i hoping that Cheryl is using this to heal herself because we did kind of see this when, sh- when Penelope came back and was talking about this ministry and Cheryl was like, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. This is obviously 
a Money. shady situation and I don't want to have anything to do with it. But the reason that she got involved with it was because she saw that cardinal and was looking for a sign from Jason that this was something she should do. And she got whatever she needed to confirm that she should be focusing her energy in this direction. And regardless of what kind of a scam it is on Penelope's end, that could still be beneficial to Cheryl. And ideally, when everything comes crashing down or becomes more clear to her about what Penelope's doing, if Cheryl can hold on to that clarity and that sense of purpose that she got from engaging in these activities, that would be great but i don't know i honestly don't know i'm scared yeah this plot scares me yeah it's not i mean and it scares me more because i'm pretty sure the musical numbers aren't gonna end oh i know (laughs) i know it's so bad there's just gonna be hymns every time especially now that kevin's in charge of the the music But since we're still on Kevin really quick. Yes. No, let's. Yep. I know where you're going. (laughs) I'm sad and also pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Kevin takes, you know, Cheryl's advice and is going to talk to Fangs and like say his feelings and all that. And he shows up and Fangs is like, yeah, no, great. We'll talk. Definitely. Uh Uh-huh. But like not tonight. Trying to push him out. You know how yeah, one right. does. Yeah. In the classic scene where they're like half in the door. Like exactly. Shut, like, oh, um, you know, this isn't really a good time. And, you know, Kevin barges his way in, but like not in the, you know, confused. What are you hiding from me? Sense just like he's in his head. He's ready to say what he's got to say. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of walks in. And who do we see? But who do we see? We see Moose. What? Who is Moose? And Moose has like long hair with a beard or a mustache or whatever. What does he have now? <laughs> I don't know. But it, I mean, he does look like a Moose more now than ever. He does. And he lo- he long hair and a beard. It's He looks great. <laughs> and it really upsets me because it's like, no, Kevin should be with Fangs. But Moose but and also, Fangs. Also, wait. Oh, can we talk about boy. a three? A thruple? They could be a thruple. A thruple. They were going to be a thruple with Tony. I mean, why not just That's true. be with Swap Moose out. instead? <laughs> They still want the baby? Um, Here's my question. Can you please help me? So how much time has passed since Kevin walked out on Fangs? I'm going to go with a few weeks. A few? Can you put a finer point on that? Two weeks. Two weeks? I would call that a couple weeks. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, a couple. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm very specific about my own. Two weeks. I'm going two week mark. Okay. Because remember, when we came back from right. the hiatus, the school and everything, Yes, we discussed how they seemed fine with each other. Right. So I want to say, for the sake of timelines, yeah, maybe two weeks. Right. Because when we came back from the break, we picked up sort of close to after the prison break because the prisoners were still running loose Rampant. and such. So like that has to be under a week, I would think, since the initial prison break, if not less time. And then we had the Hiram Lodge episode. We don't really know exactly how long that was. So yeah, I would say, I would probably say a couple of weeks too. The reason that I need to know is just because I feel like that's really soon for Fangs and Moose to have reconnected and why is and back involved. i need to know other things and also i can't believe that neither kevin nor fangs to this point has tried to sit down and have a conversation about what's going on i know that 
Tony is MIA because the baby, the baby, but they should probably have a conversation about who's going to parent the baby now. Like this, like these are all really important conversations that need to be happening. No, there are. That just have not happened. And not only have they not happened, but it seems like Fangs has just completely moved on with somebody else. But, but in his what? defense. Oh, no. You have a defense? I have a defense for Fangs. We were on a break. We were on a break. No, <laughs> not even that. Clearly, Kevin's still out trying to get Trucker Tail. I'm not excusing him either. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, he's going about his sleazy kind of ways with that. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling Fangs is kind of like, okay, I mean, he's got to sort his shit out, but I'm not going to sit here and like, if he's going to start fucking other people, like if he's going to still do this, yeah, who am I to not entertain an old friend? Sure. And I I see exactly where you're coming from. And it's not that I can't see- Also, my morals are not great. (laughs) Well, it's just, look, it's not like I can't- see something like this happening right like that it's totally impossible and that it's completely unforgivable but for them for their characters and just as humans it's like was there any attempt and at their age now they're older they're old enough to at least like be aware that these conversations need to be had and honestly it's the baby thing that bothers me i mean i think we're gonna get that eventually and that will probably then be where we find out the scenario and the timeline of if they spoke what they spoke about are we gonna reconnect i don't <laughs> giving know giving a lot of credit to the show i don't think we're only gonna because the previews we've seen we do see tony with the baby so i think well she's having the baby no matter what right but i'm but saying who's, like who are gonna be the parents in this situation right so we're gonna have to get to it's gonna come back up like we're gonna have to address it so i think hopefully we will get something along those lines it's just very strange to me and kevin kevin has every right to be hurt by the fact that Fang's begun a new relationship with an ex of his. Like, not only is it a new relationship, but right. it's a relationship with someone And I'm glad that was addressed, to too. Like, we were brought back. Like, yes, that was, like, their first, his first kind of, like, boyfriend in high school. Like, they were together yeah. in high school. Right. And the last time we saw Moose was Stonewall Prep Day. It sure was, yeah. Yep, he was gonna die, and then he didn't die because Mr. Chipping killed himself instead, so. Right? Remember? <laughs> Oh gosh. Anyway, uh, that whole thing just really, it doesn't sit well with me. Right. I just don't understand why Kevin couldn't sit down and have the conversation with Fangs that he had with his dad about his own struggles with his sexuality. I don't get it. Which I would think would be easier to do. You would think. Yeah. And, And yeah, and you would think that he would rather give him an explanation than just disappear and start fucking other random dudes in the forest. So yeah, that upsets me. That upsets me. But I also just, while we're talking about stuff that isn't related to the main stuff I want to talk about, is, did Veronica change the name of her store? I don't think so. I think this is her, like... The IPO? Yeah. Pearls and Posh. Jesus Christ, I hated it. The minute I heard it, (laughs) I'm like... Is anybody going to take you seriously? Because I wouldn't. Well, she's the she-wolf of Wall Street. I so hate it. everyone's going to take Shut her up. seriously. I don't want to hear that phrase ever again. If I have to hear it one more time, I will stab someone. I think we both, like, as we watch it live <laughs> in separate towns and rooms, we're just like, we text each other at the same time. We're like, if I ever have to hear that one more time, it's so horrible. It I don't like it. It is the worst. 
But I'm not going to lie. I did like their dynamic. They have way more chemistry than Veronica and Archie do. I love it so. That's a given. I love it so much. But even just their worth it, work ethic together. Like I right. liked. I like them being like partners. I loved this. I loved the the parody of it. Like they did parody a lot with this because it was very Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Have you? Did you see it? No. Um. Sorry. My lack of movie knowledge is really coming Makes out this me a little sad. <laughs> I'm the um, worst. Yet again. Um, it's okay. There is a whole like scene that was very Wolf of Wall Street with this. But also, I'd say I'm aging myself, but this movie is way older than I am. I just am an old soul. Very Glengarry Glenn Ross. So if anybody has seen Glengarry Glenn Ross, they really kind of hit the nail on the head with that movie as well. But again, I love Reggie. Yeah, no, they their dynamic is so much better. It's so much more interesting. It has more depth because Hiram is also kind of looming here because Reggie... Yeah, he's like the common denominator. Yeah, um, and I thought it was interesting that Reggie kind of rebounded from Hiram with Veronica. Right, right. <laughs> and then... And not only did he decide to just, like, go all in with Veronica, but he sunk Hiram in the process, which was an interesting choice. Okay, (laughs) I yelled by myself, because, but that is, this isn't the kind of show where you're like, oh my god, but I kind of did with this. Sunkdale doesn't exist. Right, and it's never going to exist. That's amazing. Like, we knew that. We knew that Sodell hadn't been built yet. What we didn't know was that Hiram was never never going to happen to build it so which also by the way sinks the premise for veronica's uh jewelry store because she said she was gonna do well with the traffic from sodale <laughs> there's gonna be no traffic from Sodale. No. but anyway yes that so and as reggie so helpfully uh pointed out the smoke screen this was the smoke screen for hiram's palladium mining so all the investors that invest in sodale hiram's just taking their money and putting it right into the palladium mining and has no intention i guess of building Sodale. So presumably, I guess he's hoping he makes enough money on the Palladium that he can just pay his investors back at some point. Or is he just planning to run away with their money? Probably run away. I feel like that would get him thrown in jail, though. Or prison. It's nothing he's not used to. That's true. But regardless, I just found while I did enjoy Reggie and Veronica working together, I just didn't really find this very interesting as a plot. Yeah. Like, uh, compared to the other stuff going on, I just didn't really care. No. And it seemed to be, like, this, the fast-paced, like, tweener scenes. Like, yes, right. It, it, we cut to it every once in a while, and they're just, like, on the phones, which, by the way, were all cord, corded phones, or there was that one phone. The dial phone. Oh, my God. That's, like, yeah. a bathroom phone. Yeah. And then- Oh, oh. The, the wood one. The wood one. <laughs> the wood one with, with the, the antenna. antenna. <laughs> I'm like, where are, what year are we in? I, I mean, like, we, we do this all the time with Riverdale, but every time somebody puts down a phone that has a cord or a dial or an antenna, I'm like, what's it happening? It has an antenna. Why? I know. And she did, honestly, that's what the phone in my, um, in my house when I was growing up, that's what that phone looked like. It wasn't wood panels, but that it had that same sort of structure with the antenna so i remember that but no that wood panel reminds me of the interior of my mom's old buick lesabre oh yes 
Like, that's Why was wood paneling on cars ever a thing? Oh, my God. And, like, the shiny, like, it wasn't really wood. You knew it wasn't Right, wood. yeah, yeah. It was, but it was just It wasn't fooling anybody. No. You can't build cars out of wood. <laughs> oh, man. I can't. So. Should we get into the, the major... Well, I want to skip Archie altogether. I honestly wish we could, but we should cover it before we get to the other Should we do really stuff. quickly? Yeah, let's do really quickly. Hold on. PTSD okay. and dogs. Yes. So I feel like the PTSD stuff is too little too late. We introduced the potential for it very early in this season and then we never again addressed dropped it. it completely and dropped it. Dropped it back it. up again. And now suddenly Archie is very traumatized. We always kind of got the impression that Eric was, but Archie has never suffered really from no. visions or dreams or anything. And then all of a sudden he starts doing it. So like right off the bat, I'm kind of annoyed by this. And then I also found the dog side plot to be kind of a weird vessel for this. Just because the soldier scene was bingo. Right. That's basically why this happened. But I've been trying to like, I've been trying to puzzle this one out because we don't hear about Bingo until after the dog is introduced. And Archie is like talking to Uncle Frank and he's like, right. oh, it reminds me of Bingo. But why? Why would you say because... that if it's not a dog? Right. And and what I don't understand is, you know, Archie's whole trauma surrounding Bingo is that he couldn't save him. He heard him dying and couldn't save him. So why would this dog that they already saved from a shelter be a trigger for his trauma surrounding bingo? Is because it literally just the name? <laughs> no. I, I, I'm realizing it now. That okay, help me. It's not because of the name, but when Uncle Frank brings up the injuries to the dog, and we find out that the dog was part of a dog fighting ring, which, uh, get me out, because everything I watch lately has dog fighting true in it, blood, and I true want blood, true blood. to cry, <laughs> so that's that. That is where I think the whole then saving Archie's making up for not being able to save Bingo He's now saving all these dogs from a life of dog fighting. So I think it that's where they tried to incorporate the scenario of like his PTSD and not being able to save this man. And then now knowing that he could save all these dogs in an Archie fashion. I think that's where they tried to, you know. It just didn't work for me. Sorry. It's not your fault. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> no. As long as you get where I'm coming from. No, I, I from. understand. But what doesn't make sense to me from the show is just we didn't know about the dog fighting until after the conversation about bingo happens. So again, the, they're trying to make. Right. The they trigger are is weird. Like the the fact that we're talking about bingo has nothing to do with the dog fighting. But then once the dog fighting comes in, then bingo kind of makes sense. But it doesn't get introduced in in a logical way to me. Mm-hmm. To explain to me why the dog relates to bingo relates to dog fighting. That's all. I just I, I spent a lot of time trying to see the the deeper intent of mm-hmm. this episode, the metaphor, if you will. And I just don't think they did it properly. I no. think I think it was confusing and hard to understand. Again, we got so many different storylines thrown at us. We did. I in did, one episode. I did appreciate, though, there was that, I think it must have been right when Uncle Frank told him about dogfighting, and Archie just defines, just straight up defines what dogfighting is, in case anybody didn't know. Right. <laughs> he was like, wait, you mean some guy is going around training dogs and pinning them against each other in fights and then betting on it? And it was like, 
yeah, that, that's, yep, that's that's what dog the fighting definition. is. That's literally what it is. But all right, sure. And I totally agree with Archie that this guy needed to get the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. I almost wasn't satisfied with the level of violence perpetrated against him. <laughs> Did you feel this way? <laughs> I thought it was pretty straight. I-, I think it was fine. He punched him four times and kicked him twice. Yeah, but I feel like... He did have brass knuckles on, so that probably hurt. But I don't know. Archie made it sound like he was going to beat this guy to a bloody pulp. Like you wouldn't be able to identify him. Yeah, I think think he could have hit him a few more times. (laughs) Well. Sorry. (laughs) I just have no, no allowance for people who abuse animals. I think they should all die. True. That's how I feel about it. I agree. (laughs) But that's kind of all I had to say about Archie. I don't like that the episode was called Reservoir Dogs when it's like I don't think that the was only the reference was the fact that there was a dog in it. Yeah, like yeah. It, I, I, and I didn't find that to be the main premise of the episode. The main premise is what we're getting to. Again, Coyote Ugly. Yes, let's go back to where we started with the Coyote Ugly. Um, Not a bad plan, by the way. No. In turn, and in terms of plan, I mean, it didn't end up as a good plan. I mean, I mean it did well like it succeeded but at the same time like betty was being really stupid as always (laughs) right i mean we start the episode with betty being really stupid i feel like we're supposed to hate glenn again but he has points he had had valid points he had valid points (laughs) she should not be impersonating an fbi agent she should not be carrying a gun and a badge to identify misidentify as an fbi agent I did like she said (laughs) she wished she stabbed him harder. Harder, yep. I have that in my notes as well. (laughs) But at the same time, Glenn sounds like he's doing his job. Yeah. And I I don't know. Like, I don't like him, but I also don't think he was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this this kind of portrayed him in a decent light. Yeah. I mean, he was going after girls in the sex work business, Mm -hmm. which, again, illegal in New York. So, like... Yeah, he can do that. Debatable whether or not sex work should be legal. But I don't know. I mean, it's just not enough for me to be like, Glenn's doing a shitty job. It it seems like he's actually out there pursuing leads on the lonely highway. And you know what? Just... (laughs) Just let him do his job. Yeah. I think we also just needed to see him again just for... Right. To make sure he's okay. Quick reference. He did get stabbed. But uh, yeah. Okay. I liked that the premise of the Coyote Ugly plan was mainly recon. Mm -hmm. Because that seemed really smart. Getting names and license plates Mm -hmm. and searching the trucks. Smart. Like very smart. What's not smart (laughs) is just going off and doing shit by yourself. Of course. When you said, quote, cardinal rule... Don't go off with a trucker by yourself. I can't stand her sometimes. I really I know. can't. I know. She dumb. I mean, she at least she had the sense to text Tabitha to yes. tell her, like, hey, follow me. But uh, damn. I mean, that just had bad news written all over it. And it could have ended really poorly. Before we get to that, though, when she came out to check, first of all, after Glenn tells her to stop impersonating FBI agents, she comes out to check that one guy's truck where they found the blood mm-hmm. in an FBI jacket, continuing to impersonate. An Once FBI I saw that, I was agent. like, uh, "Have you learned nothing?" Right? Like, what if this is another sting operation? But the trucker, he uh, he's like, "I had a huge meat delivery," which I just did a little wink, wink too, because I'm sure he has a decent huge meat. meat delivery i would have bought that trucker actually yeah i think got a huge meat delivery anyway um but he 
had receipts to back up his huge meat delivery, so we will not persecute him for his huge meat delivery. Mm -hmm. What we will do is talk about the guy that Betty goes into the truck with at the end of the night, ill-advised, by herself. I just want to ask, before we even talk about this, Mm -hmm. is this our guy? Do you think this is our guy? No. Why not? I think he's a accomplice. An accomplice? Okay. I think he's the one that grabs him up. I don't think he's the actual, like, murderer. He does not have a skeleton on the front of his truck. No. This bothers me a lot. But he also seems super fucking creepy. Like, oh, yeah. There's some they relation. don't even try. <laughs> no. Like, there's some, I think there's some correlation there. I have a weird feeling, too. We're going to find it. I mean, given your question, I'm kind of thinking now, like, we're going to get that, like, he's not it. But, I mean, he. This is too obvious to me. It's too obvious. Like, yeah. this is way too easy. When he started talking about seeing the light leave someone's eyes when you watch them die, I was like, okay, what he said is- it way. First of all, he said it way too, like, calmly. Right. Like- it was so casual. And, like, like, he was giving off so much creepy vibes that I was like, this has to be a joke. Like, initially, I was like, this is a mistake. Like, this can't be right. Like, they're trying to it's make him too, see. Right, it's too easy. And then when he pulls over, he literally, like, whips out a knife and is, like, going to go shank Betty, I guess. And then she knocks him down. And then the next time we see him, he's got a fucking chainsaw. And it's like, what? Right. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Honestly, that whole fight scene was surreal i think we're gonna find out that he was one of like the prisoners that escaped well here's the thing so i don't think this is the man who got polly or squeaky because both of those trucks that picked them up had the skeleton on the front but i i don't know that he's not responsible for the other bodies that have turned up in swedlow swamp now i'm thinking there's got to be i i mean we were already kind of thinking there's got to be two explanations because polly started to be connected to the mothmen and then there were these bodies turning up but they were older bodies so this kills me because i don't have enough information to really make Make it is a, a lot. It is a lot. Hypothesis here. But this guy is obviously dangerous. He tried to kill Betty. 100%. Oh, yeah. We don't know why. And we don't know who else he has killed. But I feel pretty confident that it's not the guy who took Polly. No, I, I agree with you on the whole, like, probably the older bodies or... He's obviously... He's a murderer in some capacity. Yeah, maybe he's... No, I feel like she would recognize... I mean, TBK wore a mask. It could be TBK. Could be TBK. But he might recognize her because he held her captive for a while. So, like, I mean, not that... I mean, he may have just been pretending not to know who she was or show no signs of recognition, but maybe he is the TBK Maybe that's the... And that's where his whole line about, you know, seeing people... The The light light go out of their eyes. And maybe that's why... Maybe he recognized her and that's why he pulled over to kill her. Maybe he was like, shit, like, I need to get rid of this person who's on to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's unclear, but <laughs> they got him now. Betty right. hit him in the face with a wrench, and he's down for the count. <laughs> Listen, I just need to talk about the fight scene for a sec. It felt like it was in slow motion. Honestly, I... <laughs> This is this is the first time it was it was meant to feel like a life or death situation for Betty. I've never been less afraid during an attempted murder. (laughs) I was just like staring like, wait, 
what? Just, it was moving so slowly. You said it at the time. The music sounded like video game music. Yes. It was very weird, like 80s-ish, like synthesizer type. Yep. Like, but slow. And Betty doesn't make a sound, like, the whole time. I think maybe we're used to scenes where people are screaming or mm. breathing really heavily or just, you know, shouting stuff like help or right yeah no she's just kind of like she's just quiet the whole it was it was very strange and it almost was like they filmed the whole scene with one camera and they had to wait for the camera to get into position every time they moved Mm. because it it was moving like real time it was so like the stakes felt so low to me even though someone's life was in danger i was just like okay and and Right. It was so, it was so weird. I laughed a lot during it. It was great. No, <laughs> it was really was great. I so confused. By Again, why the they music, the music killed me with that. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Strange, strange choice. So we're, where do we think Betty is taking him? She says, I know a place. But it can't possibly be the bunker because Tabitha. I fucking hope not. Tabitha also, 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 also knows the bunker. Tabitha also knows the bunker. So she can't be like, I know a place and then take her to some place that Tabitha has already been to like a million times. Unless it is the bunker just because they both know a place. (laughs) (laughs) Then she could have just said, we could go to the bunker. Let's bring him to the bunker. (sighs) So I don't know what place she's talking about, but clearly she's going to go and like beat the shit out of him to get him to confess about Polly and I just don't think that's gonna fly no it's not gonna work because I don't think he knows where Polly is also just a like little side note that means absolutely nothing I did go back to look at the truck from the episodes where Squeaky was abducted Mm -hmm. and where Polly was abducted to see if I could see what color the truck was because Betty told Tabitha it was a yellow cab but you can't see it Okay. But it's like a very distinct grill on the front with the yes. skeleton. So like that's that's my sticking point here. Why would he take it off? Yeah, that's true too. Would he take it off? Yeah. So that's why I feel like we're missing the connection there. Could be TBK. No, that's in my head. Yeah. Could be. Well, I'm Could sure we be. have a while to find out because well, the way they like to tell stories. If they keep injecting musical numbers, we're never going to get through this. Although we did have a murder during a musical back in like season two or something. So yes, if we could set murders to music, maybe I'll be more on board. <laughs> maybe we won't yawn throughout the whole thing. Oh my God. Idea for a podcast. True crime. But it's singing. What did I just say? Would we have to sing? Well, yeah, like it would all be in song. It would be delivered murders, oh. murders to music, and we would just Ted Bundy. <laughs> like how? How? Why? Okay, maybe not us, but like for somebody else. Like if you want to, oh, we'll hire. A if you want to buy the idea from me, I will be willing to uh, share my IP. It's funny you say that because weird side note. Obviously, I watch a lot of TikToks, but there's a TikTok, there's this chick who does murder by makeup or something like that, and she will do her makeup, like, awesome, she's a makeup artist, whatever, but she Mm -hmm. does it while telling the story of some true true crime story. It's so amazing, like, watching her, and she has this voice that you just want to fall asleep like it's so soothing Mm. and she tells this story and like i love her she's amazing and i find that really kind of interesting yeah so um people incorporate valor into a lot of things this is a valid idea that we have here we'll circle back yeah (laughs) we'll circle back (laughs) next time you see us we'll be singing everything (laughs) no no nobody wants that 
so we're uh, not gonna do that luckily we don't we don't have any breaks i don't think coming oh okay up. yeah we don't have any upcoming hiatuses that we're aware of <laughs> correct fingers crossed knock on wood and also fingers crossed knock on wood neither of us will be deathly ill or celebrating a birthday that's not going to happen again until November. November. And no more hurricanes, ideally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, just we're hoping that we can be here next time. <laughs> and until then, that's Endgame. Bye.